Hello, everybody, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. I am Michael Katz. I cover Ole Miss for the Daily Journal. And as always, I am here with Theo DeRosa, the Commercial Dispatch Sports Editor, who covers Mississippi State for the Dispatch and the Daily Journal. Theo, how are you doing? And what is it like to be uh, to be covering a team that's ranked now? It's, I, I, how, how, exciting, how excited are people in Starkville right now? I think there's a lot of excitement that AM win was pretty big. It was pretty exciting, kind of a perfect setting, you know, 3 p.m. game, October 1st, SEC contest, and Mississippi State really showed up. And I think you're starting to see fans buying back in that might have kind of questioned this team after the loss to LSU. They are 4-1. and one. They're back in the top 25. They have another home game this weekend against Arkansas. The momentum is still there to have an 8-9, maybe 10-win season. Of course, that would require beating Georgia or Alabama, so maybe eight or nine. But starting this week with Arkansas, I mean, they're off to a really good start in October, a really tough October. And I think, you know, it's pretty exciting for fans and for the team right now. Before we get into our games, I have to ask about your alma mater, who almost did the thing. They almost pulled it off. Missouri almost took down Georgia. That was... um, that was not the upset alert I was expecting on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch any of that game. It might overlap with with uh, with you probably trying to finish up whatever you were doing. But uh, do you feel better about the Tigers? A little bit. I was able to watch the fourth quarter. And when I saw they were up, I think it was 16 to 3, 16 to 6. I was like, well, oh, I wonder when Georgia is going to eventually take the lead. Turns out that was about with uh, four or five minutes left in the game. Not really surprised that Georgia came back to win. I saw like post game. I mean, they were the more efficient team, the better team. But it was, you know, impressive to see Missouri lead for that long, and especially a Missouri team that really struggled to put that Auburn game away and ultimately lost. Uh, another like win expectancy post game stat showed Mizzou wins that game ninety one percent of the time. But when you fumble at the one yard line and you miss a twenty six yard field goal, that's the nine percent that comes into play. So yeah, they're zero and two, I guess, in SEC play, but. That is pretty shocking to see Mizzou stay with the Georgia team. Looked really dominant against Oregon. I mean, clearly Mizzou is a lot better than Oregon. We can clearly infer from that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was an interesting game for sure. Um, kind of looking around the country, there were some – you know, the Alabama-Arkansas game was – it got really close for a second. I think it was like 28 nothing, and then it was like 28-23. And then, you know, Alabama did that thing it does when it just blows people out. Bryce Young – day to day, like we all are with a shoulder injury. Uh, you know, my, my USC Trojans took care of business against the Arizona state. I thought for a second, they might not because their defense is very bad. I don't trust them for a second. Um, across the country, uh, you know, it, it's, it's crazy that we're already at the, the part of the season where uh, you lose a game in October or late September and you get fired. Uh, we just had Paul Christ at Wisconsin get fired. The dude who has led them, uh, to a few New Year's Six games. Uh, Scott Frost is already, uh, he, he, he got done a while ago. Uh, depending on who you ask, you know, Auburn's head coach might be next. Uh, it's just uh, it's, the, the state of college football is pretty crazy right now. It's, it doesn't really matter what you've done recently. It's just like, did you win last week? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Brian Harson's holding on as long as he did. I know they did beat Mizzou. Maybe that saved his job for now, but I kind of can't see him surviving the season if they continue to play like this, losing to LSU at home, games like that. 
playing games where, you know, you barely beat Mizzou at home and you probably shouldn't have even won the game. Harson, you know, probably the biggest name on the hot seat right now. Seeing Chris gone that quickly is kind of a surprise. I mean, given how much success he relatively had at Wisconsin, you know, of course, Scott Frost earlier in the season, that was pretty well merited, I would say. <laughs> and personally, as a Missouri alum, I hope uh, Kansas's coach gets hired by a bigger program as soon as he can, because Kansas is 5-0 and and now ranked number 19. So it is a cool story, but it, it's hard to say it is a cool story when you hate Kansas. And yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know that used to be, uh, they don't, they don't play every year now, do they? Uh, no, they're going to again in like 2025. They have brought okay. back the border war, or as the schools are calling it, the border skirmish. I think they don't want to say war. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's got to come. But basketball, they brought that back last year. You can guess how the uh, Missouri-Kansas basketball rivalry is going right now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, I think they're going to start playing again in a few years. Okay, okay. I, I the the Missouri-Kansas game I will never forget was I th- was it 2007 with Chase Daniel and Todd Reesing. Was that that was a uh, man? Todd that <laughs> Imagine telling someone in the year of our Lord, 2022, that that was a, a potential BCS title, like Matt, like that's, I mean, man, how crazy is that? But Leipold has done some kind of job um, at, at Kansas and game days going there, which nothing ever goes wrong with that. Um, but no, it's, it's cool. It, it is the cool story, obviously um, expecting the other shoe to drop off at some point, but you know, maybe we should get ahead on national champion Kansas. You know, maybe they'll win basketball and football like Florida did, uh, you know, a, a few years uh, guys, it's like 15 years ago. I don't know. For me, if the Braves win the World Series, Kansas wins a basketball title and Kansas win a football title. I just I hope that's getting it out, all out of the way as far as the teams I don't exactly love doing well. We'll see. Maybe the Patriots will win the Super Bowl. Who knows? Uh, well, if Bailey Zappi's the quarterback. That's my guy. I love Bailey Zappi. We stand. Uh, all right, so let's let's get into our games. Uh, we'll start with yours. Um, I mean, I, I think we knew Texas A&M's offense was not good, um, but Mississippi State made it look worse than normal. Kind of take me through uh, what you saw from from the Bulldogs in this one. It was uh, it was kind of a butt kicking toward the end. Yeah, I think the biggest difference was just the offensive lines. It's kind of weird saying that. You know, you would think it, uh, A&M's O line that had like Kenyon Green in the years past be really solid but they got a lot of pressure Mississippi State did against that O-line got pressure on Max Johnson you know got Haynes King into the game and kind of pressured him as well meanwhile Will Rogers wasn't sacked one time Mississippi State ran for like six plus yards of carry and they actually ran the ball quite a bit too but yeah just in terms of that defense Mississippi State secondary was a lot better than I expected given that A&M secondary had, had so much success to see Will Rogers throw for like 330 yards no picks on something like 42 pass attempts. He had an efficient game, not, you know, a huge game, but very solid game, no turnovers there. And State forcing four turnovers, two fumbles and two picks, one of which was a pick six. You have the blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Just all in all, it was a great performance for State, pretty much every side of the ball. Leach was talking about today, the offense picking up the defense and vice versa. Really couldn't ask for much of a better game. Might have been a little slow at the beginning, but you can be up 24 points against AM, win by 18, something like that. You're in a really good spot right now. And of course, this AM team is not what I thought going in. I actually picked AM to win initially before the season, but I picked Mississippi State the week of because I could kind of see how much struggle, how much of a struggle it had been for AM. 
and State backed that up, and now they're four and one. They have Arkansas at home. It's a big game for them, and they passed the test for sure. I know Ole Miss, you know, also passing the test against Kentucky. I watched some of that game, some at the end. Do you think Ole Miss, you know, played like a top ten team in that game? I mean, it's hard to say. Um, you know, as as that game unfolded um, with them, uh, a fifty-one yard gain like right at the very end to like bring them to inside the five yard line. All that's going through my head is I'm going to have to rewrite my story. Aren't I like, that's all that was going through my head the whole time was like, don't make me do this, please. That's all. I don't ask for much. Don't make me rewrite this. And, uh, and yeah, no, they came through for me there. Cause uh, you know, they, they, there was a touchdown and then it got called back on an illegal shift. And then the very next play, We'll have a sack fumble that was recovered by Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, I think there's still some concern with, with the offense, which is really weird to say about a Lane Kiffin team because um, that's not usually something that you worry about. You usually worry about the defense, but the defense really won them that game. Um, they, they really – they held the Kentucky team. And, like, don't get me wrong, you know, Kentucky has big offensive line issues, but Chris Rodriguez was back. Um and, and they've got a, a top 10 pick, most likely a quarterback who uh, you see him throw a football and you get it. I mean, it's it just looks different than other guys. Um, and, and they held that offense in check. And, uh, you know, I, the last couple of weeks, I think, have been um, a little bit frustrating for Ole Miss. They scored three points total in the second half of, of games against Tulsa and uh, and Kentucky and you know, maybe you understand against Kentucky because Kentucky's a really good defensive team, but Tulsa is not exactly a stalwart uh, defensively, and they had 35 in the first half. Uh, and so to get nothing in the second half was a little weird. Uh, you know, Lane kind of talked about it a little bit today with, uh, you know, red zone issues. And that was an issue for them last year too, which I kind of forgot about, but looking back at it, they were in the hundreds in terms of, of, of red zone last year. And that was with, you know, uh, a, a, a veteran quarterback and a lot of veteran pieces on that offense. Um, so that was, that was surprising. And it's, it's, you know, they, they had, they had some issues uh, again, you know, Jackson Dart threw an interception when they were, you know, getting down there um, in the red zone and uh, it's, he's still a work in progress. I know everybody wants him to be Matt Corral right now, but you know, the dude's 18, uh, you got to give him a little bit of time to develop and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's, there's, there's probably a little bit of frustration on, you know, quote unquote points left on the board. Um, but man, like when Ole Miss's defense can win you games, like that's again, like what a world they're giving up like less than 12 points a game. Like that's considering, I think they gave up 38 points a game. Lane Kiffin's first year, like the transformation is, is nuts. And yeah, they, are they going to stay at that level of points per game? Probably not when, you know, you got LSU and Bama and Arkansas and, and state, you know, on the horizon. Um, but it's, it's, it's a defense that has really gotten itself together kind of quickly, especially given all of the, um, all the transfers. That's like all we talked about in, before the season was all these new pieces and, and all that stuff. But they passed the test, you know, I, I thought about that a lot too, like is Ole Miss a top 10 team? And I'm like, well, yeah, because they're in the top 10, right? 
so like, yes, technically, and they'd be in a top 10 team. Like you can't take that away from them. I do think Kentucky was maybe, I don't know if overrated is the right word, but um, you know, I don't think they're like a typical top 10 team from, from where they were. Um, you know, I think they're flawed, um, especially uh, in, in the trenches, which is weird. Um, but give Ole Miss credit, they won an ugly game. And like, that was a question, you know, can they win the game where things don't go right? And they did. It's, um, it was a wild one and it was really cool. You know, Lane has been quite critical of, 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 uh, of crowd sizes this year. And it was a full house and it was, it was, it was loud. It was awesome. Um, and, you know, there's that illegal procedure at the end may have been partially fan induced. So uh, I know he was happy with that. And uh, it was, it was, it was a good one. Now, of course you, you hope the letdown doesn't happen this weekend against Vanderbilt. I don't think it will because uh, Vanderbilt's a lot better, but uh, like, I hate to be like, it's still Vanderbilt, but uh, you know, they are still Vanderbilt. I don't think that one's going to be bad, but um no it's uh it was it was they won a, a sloppy grinded out kind of game where things didn't work for them it was really impressive um I gotta ask you though um did, I know we sort of talked about it um after they lost to LSU that this felt like maybe not like a must win but if they were going to get to where they wanted to be they really had to win that AM game did this feel like a really big game for this for the state team I think it did. I think you could tell, you know, ranked team coming in, a team that had the number one recruiting class coming in. I don't know how much they would admit it. I don't think they really did admit it post game, but I think it was a big game as far as just getting to where they want to get to. And when you win that comfortably, which by the second half, it really was a pretty comfortable margin. I think that's a really good sign about what they can do. Now, you know, I kind of see the Arkansas game as a pretty clear advantage for state, even the road game at Kentucky. Now that Kentucky played that way against Ole Miss maybe a slighter edge to Kentucky than I might have believed initially yeah I mean it's you see it kind of change things down the road for Mississippi State you're already four and one you still have you know the Egg Bowl Georgia Alabama Kentucky left on the schedule so it's certainly not easy sorry Auburn didn't mention you in that one but uh, <laughs> I can see eight wins I could see nine probably not many more than that in the regular season if at all you have some really tough teams left and it would be hard to beat, you know, everyone but Georgia and Alabama. Georgia does come to Starkville. If Georgia plays like it did Saturday, maybe you see an upset there. Certainly not out of the realm of possibility. But, yeah, I think the AM game gives them a lot of confidence going forward. You know, play like that, and you're capable of being in a really good spot and a, probably a really good, if not New Year's Six, pretty close bowl game at the end of the year. And I think with the schedule they had and the team they had, and the program that Mississippi State is, you've got to be happy with that at the end of the season. I believe Emmanuel Forbes was named the SEC uh, Defensive Player of the Week. Can you just talk about his play recently? I, well, I think we all knew he was good, but it sounds like he's been really something. Yeah, I don't know why he won that award. He only had two interceptions, including a pick six and a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown. Not bad. Not bad. So I, I don't really know. But, yeah, he's. I think the SEC – or one off the SEC career record for pick sixes. He's the active leader in interceptions in the country, I want to say, if not the SEC with 11 career interceptions. He's just kind of a ball hawk kind of guy, you know, skinny, long arms, pretty tall, not huge. Just a guy who's capable of making plays who the ball seems to find. Found him against Arizona with a pick. Found him against uh, a twice, I want to say. Um, 
once along the sideline with this really nice catch and managing to stay right in bounds and get all the way down there for a 33-yard pick six. That was huge late to kind of seal the game. And I think he had another pick after that when it was kind of garbage time at the, at the moment. But with that and the block kick, I mean, he had a really good game. And I think by the end of that game, you knew who was going to be the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. And he did, of course, earn that honor. And I was going to ask you about co-freshman of the week, Quinchon Jenkins. Is that right? He's second in the SEC in rushing yards. Is that yeah, and, he, and, he, and he's technically their backup running back, which is yeah. Uh, you know, Zach Evans has had some uh, some injury stuff going on. Um, Zach Evans is really really good. I mean, there's no uh, there's no question about that. But uh, Quinchon Judkins, man, he has just stepped in and looked like an absolute beast. Uh, you know, it's one thing to do what he did against like Tulsa and Central Arkansas. It's one thing to do it against Kentucky, um, and, and he. Man, he had a 48-yard touchdown run where he was just running away from people. It was uh, it was really impressive, and uh, I think there's going to be probably a few more freshmen of the week honors uh, over over his next uh, over the next uh, you know the remainder of the regular season. Uh, he's he's special, um, and whenever you know when Zach Evans gets right, that's I mean the running game's already really really good. It's going to be something else. Um, and over this also had a co-lineman of the week, I want to say. Yeah, uh, in his first career start, Micah Pettis. Um, he played right – Ole Miss had some uh, – their center was like an emergency-only uh, situation. Uh, and so they moved a bunch of guys around. They started redshirt freshman Micah Pettis at, uh, at right tackle. Uh, and in his first start, he won it. So that's uh, – he had a heck of a game uh, at Lane Kiffin – his quote was something to the extent of, I don't know how they calculate that, but they got it right. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it, it was, it was really impressive. Uh, it was really impressive performance for, for the offensive line in general, other than at center, because the snaps were really bad. So bad. In fact, that they had to put in the emergency center um, who had to finish the game because the snaps were so um, uh, not great. We'll say, um, but, uh, Lane Kiffin says they have fixed their snap problems. I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know how that just like happens, but, uh, I'm curious to, uh, to see how that kind of shakes up. Uh, he simply uh, stopped snapping the ball badly. And started yeah, I, I, I ball. would, I, I would simply not snap it into the ground personally, but, uh, well, you're also the coach at Wisconsin and Nebraska. So I, no, I, this is, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of coaching offers in my head. Uh, last like thing, Culver's opinion. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's all about leverage. It's all about leverage. Hmm. Uh, last thing, we got SEC Nation coming to Starkville. What's uh, what, what's kind of the vibe around that? Are you excited? Have, have you ever have you ever had SEC Nation? I don't know. I think they must have come to Mizzou once in four years, but you know, honestly, maybe not. Um, <laughs> it's also an 11 a.m. game, so I don't think that was uh, cause for much excitement when that was announced. But I mean, to have SEC Nation, which is you know kind of like college game day light. I mean, that's about as well as you can do for that game. And maybe it speaks to the lack of other great games on the schedule. You know, Vanderbilt not getting that was a shocker. I know, but, I know. Yeah, Tim Tebow's coming to Starkville, so I can ask him all sorts of crazy questions, I'm sure. For, did, you, did you see Tebow get his mic eaten by Juice Kiffin? I heard about that, that Juice ate his, like, mic cover. That's uh, that's good. It's a good dog. I, I, I that, That's – Technically not a good dog, but I love that move by Juice. I support that. Uh, like a photo shoot with, I think, Mingo and Juice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Juice uh, Juice is busy, man. That that dog sees more Vox for than I do. I saw he was scared when they had, like, the cannon and the fireworks. Yeah, he, he had, yeah. Uh, 
again, they probably he probably has better noise canceling headphones than I do. Probably. But that dog's he's an influencer, man. You have bows. He has bones. Nose canceling headphones. Uh, well, as always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back Thursday with another uh, episode of Justify Your Existence. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And, and it'll be Parrish Alford, Fearless Leader, leading us on that one. So we'll see you then.